You are listening to Love Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program. I mean, I'm in like the food and wine community and I, I love food and wine, but my knowledge of wine, I can't speak like a sommelier and I don't think most people can. And I, I know it if I like it, like if I taste it and I like it, great. But you know, it's really hard for me to necessarily like pick out great wines and stuff. So I try to, I don't know, I like talking about wines and those things in the way that I would hope someone would talk to me about them. One of the things that kind of jump-started me, even if it took a break in me with the baking, was um, working at that place I mentioned earlier, that old bakery. Um, it was it was quite, quite old. <laughs> uh, you know, like wobbly wooden planks and a huge industrial-sized mixers that were made in the 30s, looked like they could have been on a warship or something. And, and you know, like I said, I mean, donuts and, and things there. And it was just, they had this huge wooden table in the middle, just huge, like larger than a king-size bed, longer, like two king-size beds. And that's where everybody kind of worked, rolling things, you know, across from each other, next to each other. And I just loved it. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 279, Neighborhood Nourishment airing for the first time on Sunday, January 22nd, 2017. Eating is an inherently social activity. We choose where we eat based not only on the type of food we seek, but the community we want to be part of. Today we speak with three Portland community creators, Brianna and Andrew Volk, owners of the Portland Hunt and Alpine Club and upcoming Little Giant Restaurant, and Brianna Holt, head baker at Tandem Coffee and Bakery. Thank you for joining us. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, life is complicated enough and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland. Easy. It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaMe.com for more information. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Today I have with me in the studio Andrew and Brianna Volk, who own the Portland Hunt and Alpine Club, a James Beard-nominated cocktail bar in Portland's Old Port. This year, which is 2017, they are opening Little Giant, a restaurant and bar in Portland's West End. The accompanying shop is open daily, currently 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. You guys are very busy. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I would say, I mean, Portland... <laughs> we, Portland we, like, we like being busy. Y- yes. Well, Portland um, Hunt and Alpine Club is how many years old now? Three and a half. And you have a child who is how many years old now? Two and a half. And you have another one who is... Five months away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you already have Little Giant, mm-hmm. the store, yep. and you're working on Little Giant, the restaurant. Yep. So do you sleep? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I mean, we, you know, we, we really like what we do. Um, and 
we're fortunate enough to be able to do it as often as we need to. You know, we, we get time to relax, but but also for us, I think working is in certain parts of our, our work at least are relaxing and refreshing at least. Well, I, I was going to say, I love the enthusiasm that you have for all the things that you do. And I know that you work a lot with us here at Maine Magazine, that you're often helping us out with events. You bring your daughter with you sometimes. And, and you do seem to really kind of love what you're doing and live what you're doing, too, which is important because I think there are people that believe that we can truly separate the, the jobs that we do, the work that we do, and the lives that we live. But I think the happiest people tend to be the ones who kind of kind of walk in between. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what works for us. I've, in all, all my working career, have always had jobs where I've never been able to separate from from it, but I like getting totally wrapped up and absorbed in what I do. So that's what makes it fun and mm-hmm. makes it not as much of a job. Well, and it is important to say that it's what works for you. You're right. Some people, they, they need to have that separation. Absolutely. And so, so this is this is good. So each of you were born and raised elsewhere. Yeah. You are now Mainers. This is your this is your adopted state on purpose adopted state. Yeah, we love it. Um, how did you find your way here? I know Andrew, you're from Vermont. Brianna. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Vermont, but went to school in Waterville. Um, and when I was a kid, uh, worked summers, had summer jobs on the coast, Rockland area. Um, spent a lot of time here. You know, spent the four years in Waterville, which is a wonderful, funny little town. Uh, and then grew. Graduated and moved away and didn't really know what I was going to be and what I was going to do. And we met, Brianna and I met out in Portland, Oregon, where I was living and where she grew up. Um, she was working in advertising uh, at, at a really great ad shop called White and Kennedy. Um, got a job offer in Mobile, Alabama. And and we both said, hey, we've never lived in the South. Let, let's give it a try and, and see how we do. And we, we gave it 12 months and we moved away in 11 months. Um, and, and we started looking for a job in the Northeast. Um, you know, I, we, I had family here. I think Brianna had an idea of that, that we should give that a try, um, having done the Northwest and the South. Um, we were looking at places, looking at jobs, had job offers and, and opportunities in, in, in bigger cities, um, New York and Philadelphia and, and, you know, the typical big cities in, in the Northeast. Um, and Brianna had a job offer here in Portland. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in the course of an ad career, it always makes sense to be in major cities like New York. So we were looking really heavily in New York, and then actually Andrew's father, who owns an ad agency in Vermont, recommended Via to me to look at, and I sent off a resume and heard back from them and came up for 24 hours, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And loved the space and loved the agency and trusted Andrew that Portland was great. and. We're both from smaller towns. I actually grew up just a little bit outside of Portland in a town of around 10,000 people and stuff. So we knew we would end up somewhere smaller and New York would have just been a stopover for us. So we decided to skip that whole step and just come here and try it out. Five and a half years later, here we are, still. So what is it about um, Portland that has worked for you versus Mobile, Alabama, which did not? (laughs) Oh, my God. Everything. <laughs> no, I mean, what, what, what's so wonderful about Portland is um, there's a really strong sense of community. Um, there's a really supportive community here, especially, you know, a lot of the, the worlds we travel in are advertising and PR and restaurants. And, and everybody in those, in those worlds here are um, 
really supportive of each other and, and kind of cheer on each other. And, and, you know, when somebody's looking for something, they, they connect you with, with somebody else. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's a thing that we both growing up on, in small towns on different across the country from each other, we both experienced that, that, you know, you help out your neighbor and you look out for each other and you support each other. You know, everything we know as a community um, exists here. And, and we were quick to embrace it and it was quick to embrace us. Yeah, I think people, you hear a lot of times people talk about the idea of like people from away and how it sounds very unwelcoming to people who are from away. Um, But I feel that we never really experienced that to the degree that you hear actually people talk about it. And coming here, like we met amazing people right away. And, you know, as we were able to be involved as much as we wanted to be involved in the community with and. People took us with open arms, which was great, and that was not something we experienced living in the South. Well, you and I were, both of you and I, were joking about the fact that you were not from here. And I, I have, I've said multiple times that even though I have lived most of my life here, I actually was born in Vermont, so um, I've, I can officially say that I am also <laughs> not a Mainer. I, I was born in Brooklyn, and my parents moved to Vermont when I was one, so I, so exp- you can, I experienced that in Vermont as well. I'm not even a Vermonter. <laughs> I, I just, I don't have a home. Um, take me (laughs) (laughs) well and that's an interesting thing because I think in these deeply rooted communities sometimes it can be an issue Mm -hmm. that people can say but you don't you don't have that kind of depth of background but then it just gets silly you know if you've lived somewhere it doesn't really matter it's it's sort of how engaged you are with the community and how much you want your children to be engaged with the community I think that's very much how we we approach it that you know you are where you where you you know where you engage and and if you're engaged in the community if you're actively you know living in that community working in that community spending your time and your energy to make that community better then you know you're you're just as just as good as the person next to you who's doing just as much so what was it about Portland that you brought from the other Portland to this Portland how have you sort of infused the local scene with the place that you grew up in Brianna oh that's a tough one I think we both um, out in Portland, Oregon. Sorry, not to answer no, for you. No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> experienced um, in our in our respective industries in advertising and, and restaurants, um, this really supportive, creative community. And, and you know, I, I think that any place like our Portland, like Portland, Maine, really benefits from an infusion of outside ideas, um, bringing, bringing, you know, whether it's, it's a fresh idea about how to do something or a fresh approach or, or, you know, whatever it is, bring, bring something and, and, um, making it a part of Portland, Maine is, is really refreshing and important to, for a community to grow. Um, and, and for us, what we took from Portland, Oregon was this really supportive, creative community that we both existed in and, and, um, lived and worked in. And, and we were able to, I, I think we, we, we very actively try and, and create that feeling here and, and enhance that feeling here. You know, it's, it's very much here, but, but, you know, bring our perspective to it, bring our taste to it, and bring our, our energy to it. You know, we also lived in Portland, Oregon at a time where we watched the city kind of go from this, like, eh, West Coast city that no one really cared about to, like, now Portland, Oregon's, like, you know, Portlandia, and people talk about it all the time and want to go there and visit, and, you know, it has an amazing, vibrant restaurant scene and an amazing, vibrant art community. And so being there and both being part of it in our own ways, um, for me working in advertising and Andrew working in cocktail bars, I think was something that coming here, we were able to recognize that happening here, which was really exciting for us and really gave us energy of wanting to be part of that um, because we 
have seen firsthand like how amazing a city can grow when people work together and really actively are part of their community to make a city better. When I went this weekend to Little Giant, um, I brought my daughters and was talking with Andrew about the, the wine and the food. And one of my daughters was noticing some of the labels that you had written and um, really liked them and very creatively done. Um, definitely showing like maybe a little quirkiness of of mind and spirit which it's my decade of copywriting <laughs> paying off right there well but sh- but it's it's great because it really drew her in it really caused her to look at this and be like wait is this the name of this wine or is it called like yeah. want to get weird want to get weird that she was picking it's out. a weird wine it's too. a weird wine <laughs> it's deliciously weird. but doesn't that speak to, to the fact that you know you can sometimes a product is a product but sometimes there's a bigger story that needs to be told about it that that brings people in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, my background in advertising is, and for actually over a decade was as a copywriter. And, you know, one of my favorite things is telling stories. And I love telling stories. And I love telling other people's stories and product stories that I love and our story. Um, So it's nice to be able to to do that and find ways to do that with Hunt Alpine or with Little Giant um, that maybe aren't like the traditional paths you would see in shops or restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and it's putting some of my skills to use, which is nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I also, I mean, for me too, I'm not, I mean, I'm in like the food and wine community and I, I love food and wine, but my knowledge of wine, I can't speak like a sommelier and I don't think most people can. And I, I know it if I like it. Like, if I taste it and I like it, great. But, you know, it's really hard for me to necessarily, like, pick out great wines and stuff. So I try to, I don't know, I like talking about wines and those things in the way that I would hope someone would talk to me about them. So I think that's, I that's one of the that. really cool things about uh, wine in particular in the restaurant world. But, but I mean, food and, and spirits and, and all this to their own extent, but, but wine has these great stories, every single product, every single label has these phenomenal stories to them. And to be able to, you know, bring people in and share a little bit about the, the stuff we're excited about is, is just one part of um, one part of Little Giant that we're, we're really thrilled about. And we think like food and drinks should be fun. Like you should, when you have a cocktail at Hunt Alpine, you should be having, like ideally you're having fun there, whether it's a shot and a beer or- It's not work. Or a fancy cocktail, like it shouldn't feel like that. And when you're drinking wine, like all that stuff, eating, all of it should be fun because it's fun for us. So we want it to be fun for everybody else too. Well, this is a conversation that I've had a few times recently. And that is that food, when, when it becomes, or wine or beer or coffee, when it becomes so precious that you're spending all your time analyzing it, then there may be something that you're missing out on there. I mean, and, and I don't have any problem with people who really, that's the way they enjoy their food, wine, coffee, whatever. But it's it's really more about the experience. So wherever it is that you're going to, it's it's about the interaction with people. It's about feeling yeah. like you're, I don't know, part of something. Sure. There's an emotional response yeah. that I think that is important to have. You know, I think that bringing it back to Portland, Maine, what what we really appreciate up here and I think what, what the people that thrive and love Portland Maine appreciate is authenticity. You know, there, there, there are a thousand ways to enjoy wine or coffee and whatever and, and professionals that want to, you know, really dive in and nerd out. Um, there, there's definitely a place for that and there's a place for that up here but, but a lot of people come to Maine for this sense of authenticity and this sense of, 
you know what we're, we're doing it because we love it and we're doing it because this is our place and, and I think for wine and food and and beer and cocktails for us that that's that's what we try and bring to this that you this is meant to be fun. This is meant to be good. This is meant to, you know, you're not, this isn't, this isn't supposed to be work. This is supposed to be, you know, a good time. And, and, and we truly enjoy, enjoy that aspect of it. What do you think it was uh, or is about the Portland Hunt and Alpine Club that won you the um, James Beard nomination? <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think a lot of it was Andrew and the bar program he put nice. together. Um, you know, he. We have an amazing staff there. Uh, our bar manager Trey is absolutely incredible and one of my favorite people of all time now. Um, but we have we have an incredible staff that Andrew has been able to lead and train and work with, and they all bring really wonderful things to the table. And I think Andrew's really good at seeing those great things and pushing those and letting people flourish in ways that make them the best and make them really happy to come into work every day. So it's not this, you know, so not everyone's doing the same thing or having to dress the same or present themselves in the same way. People get to be themselves. And I, I think that personality comes out when people come in is they see that the people working there have a great time and really care about their job and care about the guest's experience. And, you know, I, I would like to think that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And how will the new restaurant, um, Little Giant, that's opening up this spring, how will that be the same and different? Um, I think the the thread through for us that we always talk about and that really makes, that drives us professionally is a sense of hospitality, a sense of, of feeling comfortable and welcome in a place that you can you as a you as a guest, an individual, can walk in and start making it your own. Um, you know, with Hutton Alpine, we we certainly had an idea of what we wanted and what we wanted to create, but we also you know wanted to pe- people to walk in the door and have a conversation with us. And you know, it, it's I've never seen it successfully done where you, you're you're ramming something down somebody's throat and say you need to like this. You know, it, it comes back to that sense of we want people to tell us what they like, and we want to you know maybe push their their boundaries of, of what they're comfortable with a little bit and, and you know oh you you like you like vodka well, why don't we try gin and and see how you like that things of that nature um so little giant you know i think is going to be a place that people are going to feel comfortable and have a good time and, and eat really good food you know it, it's going to be very different from hunting alpine in a lot of places and that it's hunting alpine is a bar um it's a very much a bar that's intended for the downtown old port of portland and little giants a restaurant that's intended for the west end community and, and much more of a neighborhood kind of place it's going to be a full restaurant um you know you're going to be able to a place that, that we're very much intending where you can take children and have a nice time you can also go on a first date and feel comfortable and you can take your grandparents and they're going to have a great time too and, and to really um embrace the community that we're in is something that we, we've always I mean, we've always loved about portland and we're very excited about to be doing that in the west end what type of food will you have continental european neighborhood style food you know it's really going to be simple simple stuff that's done better than you would have hoped it would be done um stuff that that you're you want to go back and have again uh the same week or or in the same month you know it's not we're not really trying to create a special occasion kind of place we're just trying to create a neighborhood a neighborhood spot yeah i mean i think with all our space with hunt alpine and both with little giant like we really love the idea of what's it called like the third space yeah where like you have your home and you have work and then like you have this third space which is like a coffee shop or a bar somewhere and we want to create those spaces where people feel comfortable and can hang out and 
you know, one of our one of our favorite places, which is in Portland, Oregon, and actually where where we met, Andrew was my bartender there. Um, is this place called Clyde Common, and like, it's been this place that's been open. It'll be for ten years this year, actually, uh, and it's kind of like we've evolved with it, and it's evolved with us. So we met there. We went on numerous dates there. Andrew proposed to me there. Now we go back with our daughter and hang out with our daughter there. So it's just been this kind of like central location in this city for us that every time we go back, we always end up there. And so we want to create spaces like that where people can have these stories and throughout their lives be able to tie it, tie it back to Hutton Alpine or tie it back to Little Giant and create those memories and kind of have these places feel like a home base for them. I was struck, um, I think it was two summers ago now, but it might have been last summer because time does go by, um, with how social your daughter is and how willing she is to engage in um, conversation, interaction, whatever you want to call it. Because like you, I bring my daughter or daughters or son, whenever whoever's available with me to social events. I've always thought it was important because, you know, we don't exist in vacuums as human beings. And your daughter clearly is very comfortable with this idea. Is this something that she, did she spring forth this way? Is this something that you've sort (laughs) of... I mean, from the beginning, and and it's as much a function for us philosophically as parents as it is practically as the, you know, we work for ourselves, both of us, and, and we you know, don't have the ability to have full-time nanny care for our daughter. I mean, she, she's come with us to events. She's come with us to work every day since she was born. I think she was, what, seven days, two weeks old? When she we, was 17 days se- old. 17, day, Island, you know, 17 yeah. days old, we went to an event in Rhode Island, the, you know, professional event where where I was serving drinks and they were putting us up in a hotel for a weekend and on a, so on s- and so forth. I had her strapped and to me walking around yeah. saying hi to people. Um, yeah. You know, We've so been she to cocktail conferences when she was four months old in New Orleans, yeah. um, which you probably shouldn't do with a kid, but she yeah, doesn't well. remember. They <laughs> say nobody would know, but now now they know. <laughs> um, well, presumably you weren't having her taste things. No, no, of course not. No, she was just hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> around people who were tasting. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's you know, it, it's both a function of. of parenting philosophy and just practicality that she's she's grown up in bars that's that's where we spend our time because we run a bar um you know so she hangs out there she sees deliveries coming in she sees people coming in she she you know i I, sure i like to think some of it is that she gets her social nature from from us and that we're you know inherently people who can deal with these situations but also um you know it's it's a function of the nurture and, and the growth that she's the time she spent in in restaurants and bars well, I, I personally, I think it's very important. I think that sometimes by creating the mom goes to work, dad goes to work, kid goes to school, and these you have these sort of life silos that mm-hmm. it's the strange artificial barriers that, that people so. experience. Whereas if you can, if there are opportunities to bring your child with you, now obviously it doesn't make sense all the time, but you know, this is life. This is yeah. this is the reality of yeah. the relationships in the community that we live in. So, um, I, and I know that for you, you talked about Little Giant as being a place where people will bring, mm-hmm. obviously they can't necessarily bring their small children to the Port and Hunt and Alpine Club necessarily. Yeah, they, 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 people do. We, we get newborns in there. Um, people, I mean, you 
as you well know, and I'm sure remember when you have a newborn and they're sleeping, like you just you just go with it, sure. and you make it work, and if you need to grab a bite or, or whatever, then it's, we people we see people in in the bar at you know eight nine o'clock with a sleeping newborn having a drink because that's life. Um, I remember early on when Una, our daughter, was born, um, talking to our friend Chris Cast, who, who said, you know, look, you kind of get two choices as a parent. You either can conform to whatever your child dictates or you can help them conform to your life. And, you, you know, you, they, can, they can either run with you or you, you, know, you follow them. And, and it's a choice you get to make. Um, and, you know, we've, we've very much always believed we, you know, she's going to come along with us and, and going to live our life. And she's going to adapt to that. And certainly, you know, we, we have adapted our life plenty to, to her. But, you know, she, she comes with us wherever, wherever we need to be. I mean, and I think more and more, at least with our generation and our friends who are also parents, we're seeing people who are really making those conscious efforts to have their kids involved in their lives and not have that separation and not, you know, and choose to, you know, bring them into work if they can or take them out to dinner and stuff. I mean, we go out to dinner with friends who have kids and we all bring our kids and most of the time they're wonderful. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And Little Giant will be more of this. Little Giant yeah. is a place that you want people to bring their children, Absolutely. their parents, their grandparents. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I guess I wonder how we got to a place where we needed to be separate from children. I don't know that you guys can answer this question. But that, that's for the generation before us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think for us, we just work so differently than our parents work in a lot of ways. I mean, my father's a longshoreman, and so it's not like you can bring your kid to work because that would be frightening for many reasons. Um, So, you know, I mean, so it's just he can't. He didn't have that luxury to do that. And, I mean, and we were incredibly lucky that we made the conscious effort to have to do this. I left full-time agency work to have my own clients and work with Hutton Alpine and work with Little Giant and so we could be home with our daughter and take tur- you know take turns taking care of her if one of us has to work. I mean, the nice thing about me having clients during the day and him running a bar is our schedules are very different. I work during the day and he works at night for the most part. Um, so it's been fairly easy to do, but like we consciously made that decision and that's something we wanted. Yeah, very much so. Do you think this will shift with the addition of another member to the family? Oh, we haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> Let's find out when he comes. Um, I mean, I think we're in a nice position that our daughter's in preschool now. Um, so that'll take, I mean, she's there a couple of days a week. So that takes a little bit of load off taking two, care of two kids at once. And at least from her with him, he's, he'll, he'll be hanging out at meetings with me while he's, while he's little. Yep. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think that's wise. You really, you can't really know until you're right, actually you there and see what the child's personality is like exactly. and, and what everything around exactly. is going on. So what is your hope for, for this year besides get the restaurant right. started? And welcome our son into, into our family, I think. Is that not enough? Okay, that's great. <laughs> no, oh, no, I, no. I like, Brianna's got more. How political do you want me to do? <laughs> I guess I was thinking more personal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just keep that. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, for, for us for 2017, it, it very much is, uh, we have a lot of work that we've we've kind of laid the laid the plans for, and it's the executing of the work, which for us, frankly, is the exciting part. The, the part that we really enjoy is going out and, and opening a restaurant. Um, 
putting together the program, putting together the staff, getting, you know, putting putting it all in place and, and getting those doors open and then seeing how people in the community how how they how they approach it, how they use it, how they um how they enjoy it. And and then certainly welcoming our son into our family and, and um it's gonna be something we're excited about and gonna spend a lot of time on. Yeah, and beyond that, just personally, I wanna have more dinner with friends. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So is that why you created a restaurant so that people just <laughs> come hang out and have dinner with you? You, you think that would be that easy? You know, when you open a bar or restaurant, you don't necessarily get to spend a lot of downtime there, nor do you want to. We, I mean, Hunt and Alpine. It took us a couple of years, Hunt and Alpine, to really be able to go in there and, and not be working. Um, I, I still go in and I'm always working, but. But it does definitely, you know, you create these places that you're excited to spend time in. That you, I mean, and our approach to 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 restaurants and bars very much is we're trying to create a place that we want to spend time in. And then, of course, the cruel irony is that we, when we spend time there, we're working. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you want to have dinner with friends, but maybe not. Yeah, you know, like, and not like at our house. People, I want to cook just, dinner yeah, for we, friends. We like we like entertaining people. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it's out there, so you'll be having people calling you yeah, up and call saying, me. "Hey, Anytime. let's let's have dinner." <laughs> I've been speaking with Andrew and Brianna Voke, who own the Portland Hunt and Alpine Club, a James Beard-nominated cocktail bar in Portland's Old Port. And this year are opening Little Giant, a restaurant and bar in Portland's West End. They are also the parents to one fully formed and one in formation human being. So good job with all of the work that you're doing Thank and you. keep up Thank all the creativity. Sense. And I can't wait to see... Well, your your little child and your and your little giant. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. It. Thank you. Love Main Radio is brought to you by the Front Room, the Corner Room, the Grill Room, and Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room. Chef Harding Lee Smith's restaurants where atmosphere, great service, and palate pleasing options are available to suit any culinary mood. For more information, go to theroomsportland.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is Portland's largest gallery and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space. The current show schedule includes Nancy Simmons, Elizabeth Hoy, and many more. For complete show details, please visit our website, artcollectormaine.com. Today in the studio with me, I have Brianna Holt, who is the head baker at Tandem Coffee and Bakery in Portland. She moved to Maine in 2013 and helped owners Will and Kathleen Pratt open the bakery on Congress Street in 2014. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So that's a pretty fun place to work over at Tandem. I would imagine. I don't want to assume anything, but... It's a total blast every day. It's really fun. (laughs) I think if you get to work with your closest friends, it can be challenging and fun, but mostly it's fun for us. Well, I have a... I brought both of my daughters this weekend to tandem i was doing a little tour around portland oh awesome and um i've been to the tandem over um i think it's where the coffee is actually roasted yep in east bayside in east bayside and i'd never been to the bakery and oh my gosh my daughters 21 16 they were both like <laughs> when can we come back here again <laughs> i mean it's such a fun vibe but the food is really great thank you so tell me about baking for you why is this your thing Well, I think that's a huge question. Let's see. Uh, There's 
a lot of reasons. I started doing it when I was really young, watching my grandmother and mother do it all of the time, which was pretty special. Um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, is from was from Austria, and so she had like a little bit of an Eastern European bent to her cooking and her baking, which was really interesting. And so I got into it there. Uh, and I started baking pretty young, 13, I think I was when I got my first baking job, which was at this <clears throat> really tiny um, bakery down the street from my house that had been there since the late 30s, early 40s. And I just made donuts and hermits and lemon bars and all kinds of like weird vintage, uh, you know, old school pastries. I actually know what hermits are. This is what my, yep. my, my meme, my grandmother used to make. Nice. Those. For me. I think of them as a Massachusetts thing because people have them all over the place there, but really they're just kind of like a 40s, 50s bakery staple. Yeah. yeah. They have, what do hermits actually have in mind? I've molasses. Eaten. They're like a molasses thing. And it's they have raisins? Yep, normally raisins. Sometimes nuts, but I think that's sort of a divisive, polarizing uh, uh, ingredient. And a little powdered sugar on the top sometimes? Unclear. I don't know the answer to oh, that. Oh, well, I, my, I think my hermits did used to have those. Ours did not at um at the place where I worked but I was also 13 and I don't really remember to be honest I may have just forgotten the powdered sugar which could be what I'm remembering well I'll have to go back to my meme on that and find <laughs> out if I'm actually just misremembering this <laughs> but doesn't this speak to something interesting that you've just kind of brought up a whole bunch of different really fascinating themes and one is kind of the cultural aspect of food and one is almost the historical aspect of food I mean mm -hmm. if you're talking about hermits being from the 40s and 50s like how is it that something gets baked for a few decades and then doesn't get baked anymore I think it's it's a really interesting question I think it's a lot of different reasons I think you've got you know <clears throat> the idea of food trends which believe it or not is not a new thing um, you know people wanted in the 40s and 50s they wanted things that were really easy you know, that's when kind of like industrial food started uh, really making its way into everyone's homes, things in cans, things in boxes, boxed brownie mix, stuff like that. Um, and so that kind of changed people's tastes a little bit. Uh, I think I think anything can fall out of favor, especially if it's hard. You know, things that people used to make, that their grandmothers used to make, things you'd have to roll out a lot, puff pastry, strudel, things you've, you know, strudel, my God, like... My grandmother would make it, but you need, you know, a farmhouse table and you roll out this dough and it's like 10 feet long and really thin and then you just keep doing it and keep doing it. So people don't want to do that anymore. So things, you know, that are troublesome or tricky, I guess, become fall to the wayside and things take their place. But I don't know. I think people come back to flavors a lot is what it is, you know, something that's comforting or exciting because they haven't had it in a while, I think. And then, I don't know, I think now there's this huge resurgence of um, uh, whole grains, heritage grains, and I think it's really wonderful, but I also think what it does is it reminds people how things maybe used to taste, and then they start to look elsewhere for those older flavors or older ways of baking or making things. So. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I think that we got to the time of Wonder Bread, where mm -hmm. even the bread was basically blank 
Yeah. And now we're getting back to a place. I wonder what's in there. It's exactly right. And now we're getting back to a time where we want to kind of recognize the little bits that are actually popping out of the crust in our Mm -hmm. whole grain breads. Yeah. And where they came from and who grew them. Yeah. So you grew up on Martha's Vineyard. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure did. Not to be confused with Nantucket. Not to be confused with Nantucket. A smaller, fancier island. But it's still an island. Yeah. The vineyard? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So what was that like? Uh, it was pretty special and wonderful and perfect. <laughs> I really love it there. I loved growing up there, even if I wasn't clear at the time on how wonderful it was, which I guess you're not when you're like 14 through 17. But, um, but I loved it. It's small, um, and it is surrounded by the big beautiful ocean which I love to be around um it is full of farmers dairy farmers uh artists cooks musicians and I think that I'm so lucky to have grown up in a place like that I think I think it breeds a desire for uh creativity and also a really strong sense of um being interested in things you know I mean I guess if you're the right person and for me that's that's what it did I think being surrounded by farms and cooks was pretty intrinsic to learning that I loved food and wanting to know what ingredients are or how to use them or why you know this cheese is different from this cheese or whatever um so I'm pretty lucky to have grown up around that I think so trace your steps from growing up on Martha's Vineyard to getting to Maine in 2013. What was your path? Well, it was varied. One of one of the things that kind of jump-started me, even if it took a break in me with the baking, was um, working at that place I mentioned earlier, that old bakery. Um, it was it was quite quite old (laughs) uh you know like wobbly wooden planks and uh, huge industrial sized mixers that were made in the 30s look like they could have been on a warship or something and and you know like I said I made donuts and and things there and it was just had this huge wooden table in the middle just huge like larger than a king-size bed longer like two king-size beds and that's where everybody kind of worked rolling things you know across from each other next to each other and I just loved it even though I was young. I worked there from 13 to 15, probably. Um, And so then I got through high school and went to college and kind of tried to find that culture, you know, anywhere that I could. I worked at a macrobiotic hippie kind of restaurant when I was in college um, in Northampton, which was pretty funny. Um, Mostly it was brown rice and um, salmon that was served there but there were some really good baked goods and I kind of learned about using less sugar and things like that so that was fun to do um and I would come home to Martha's Vineyard in the summers and work at this kind of dingy sweaty little pie shop in the back of a general store in my hometown called Allie's and the little pie shop was called Back Allie's we served sandwiches and breakfast sandwiches and stuff and I made all the pies there uh and the muffins hundreds and hundreds and 
hundreds and hundreds of muffins and I don't make muffins now because I can't it's like some sort of PTSD but um so I worked there in the in the summers and then it's actually funny I came back well I worked um I worked at a few different places while I was living in western Massachusetts but then um I came home to Martha's Vineyard and lived for a couple of years my mother um my mother was dying of cancer and I came home after college and lived with my parents to spend as much time as I could. And then, um, and then eventually I, uh, I found my way to Montauk, Long Island, where I was the pastry chef at a very, very fancy pants kind of, um, yacht club called the Montauk Yacht Club. And Montauk is a very weird place. It's pretty strange. Uh, it's a little bit like Martha's Vineyard, maybe a little bit like Portland, it's full of weirdos. Um, <clears throat> it's full of people who truly believe they've been abducted by aliens and experimented on. There's a old army base with a lot of like ghosty stories surrounding it. Uh, but there's also there's also quite a bit of, of money and several really fancy yacht clubs. And so I had this opportunity to sort of run a very fancy kitchen, um, lots of employees. Uh, plated desserts, the whole nine yards, um, which is sort of a, uh, a step in a different direction than, you know, anything I had, had ever done before. And it was really a really great learning experience um, on how to kind of tighten everything up, make everything really professional, work in a more efficient manner, learn to make things ahead of time. You know, it was, it was sort of like the grown-up version of everything I had been doing. So that was pretty special. And then I moved to New York City, where I became one of a couple of bakers at a place called Pies and Thighs, which is a really wonderful fried chicken shack in Williamsburg. Uh, And that place had been owned by um, a couple of friends. And so I was, you know, again, kind of moving forward in my baking career kind of always like step by step like working with people that I already knew and loved and so you know I I feel like not everybody gets to do that and that is pretty that's pretty special so I baked pies and donuts at this place uh, in Brooklyn for about four and a half years and that was really great I made a lot of connections there I met a lot of people and working in New York City is really uh really great and I think that if anybody ever gets the chance to do it they should it's exciting it's really hard it's really romantic it's just you know you take the train to work at four in the morning and you know walk through the streets of uh Bushwick I don't know it's just I loved it I loved every second of it and then I moved back to Martha's Vineyard where I ran um a very tiny little pastry kitchen at um the renovated uh, dingy pie shop that I had baked before. Some other friends of mine, Dan and Noni, um, took it over and turned it into a beautiful, beautiful spot called 7A. They have a little farm, they grow vegetables, they bring them there, they make sandwiches, soups, salads. And I, um, I took over one little corner with a table and made pies and scones and biscuits and stuff. And I did that for two seasons while uh, my dear friends Will and Kathleen were here building their coffee roasting company tandem and um and then I kind of like heated the call and (laughs) showed up here and I was actually a barista in East Bayside for a little bit and then um 
And then we found this really great garage on Congress Street. It sort of fell into our laps in this funny way, and and we couldn't say no. And so uh, so we jumped at the chance and built a kitchen, and, and now that's where I go every day. <laughs> it's also where there seemed to be, I think we were there at 5 o'clock on a Saturday or something, and yeah. there were still tons of people yeah. there and yeah. little families. Mm-hmm. It was the sweetest thing to see that yeah. there were moms and dads and their toddlers, and, and people just seemed really relaxed, and the people who were working there knew the people who were eating there. Mm-hmm. It was like this little community. Yeah, and I think that is, if anything, like the zenith of what we want to create is a little community hub. You know, the, all three of us care so much about um, having a place where people know each other and know the people working and come and feel comfortable. So I think in some ways we're just so, we're so happy that that's something that has happened. And it is a really warm, welcoming space. It's got those huge windows. It's got the awning. It's practically reaching out to you on the street. Um, yeah, I think we are, we're so grateful that that fun space like landed in our laps you know it's such a beautiful old building used to be a gas station or a um like a you know a place where they worked on your brakes and stuff it still has that awesome sign that says brakes and shocks for a while i don't know the all the details about this it would be fun to find out but for a while it was an ebay store i think before it was empty for quite some time it was an ebay store so you could go there if you uh if you didn't have the skills to open up your computer and sell your own items on eBay. You could pay someone a hefty fee to do it for you. So. You have a very lyrical bent to your descriptions. <laughs> so when you're describing Thanks. the large tables and the working side by side and your grandmother rolling out the dough, I can picture it, I can feel it, I can be there. What? Where does this come from in you? Um, huh. I don't know. It would be fun to find out. <laughs> I love music. Maybe that might have something to do with it. I love it a lot. Listen to it all the time. I certainly don't play, but I pretend. I learn a song here and there on my roommate's ukulele or something. Uh, so maybe maybe it's some sort of um, deep desire to also be a singer that is like reaching out through the ether. <laughs> That could be it. Who knows? But that might be it. I read a lot, too. What did you study when you were in school? Well, when I first went to college, that was at UMass Amherst, and I was a f- I studied film. Um, I was taking all the avant-garde film classes and film theory classes. Uh, well, I guess I took as many as I could as a freshman. They also make you take all kinds of other classes that didn't seem important to me so I didn't go so eventually they kindly asked me to leave (laughs) when you only go to your film screenings you can't really keep up your GPA and when you live in a town like Northampton and you have just moved from Martha's Vineyard where your parents don't really let you do anything you tend to take a lot of trips in your brand new 1971 Ford LTD and you don't ever come back and go to class So by studying film, really what I did was party a lot and go to film screenings. But I wouldn't change a thing. I met some really great people and I cemented my love of film, which is something that is really important to me. Uh, So I took a bunch of time off and then I went back to school at Greenfield Community College where I studied um, drawing. 
I, I majored in drawing and minored in photography, I guess, but really it was drawing for me, which I still do as much as I can or as often as I can. Uh, but taking a bunch of time off and going back to school was really great and I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> so it's interesting that you have this remarkably creative spirit and you physically create things that you are actually putting your hands in dough and mm-hmm. forming it into shapes and people eventually eat it. Yeah. And that's like the drug for me is making the thing and pulling it out of the oven. Like that moment of pulling it out, you know, a tray of biscuits is when it comes out and they do the thing that I have asked them to do with my hands, you know, they pop up in the right way. The top looks right. They lean over just a little. That's, that is the moment that keeps me doing it. Like, that's the thing that I'm addicted to, I think. Um, So it is kind of like drawing in a way. And I I guess it's really important to me to share that kind of a thing with people, which is why baking, you know, in a bakery is so special is because I can't help it. I'm just like watching people look at the biscuit they're about to buy and like hoping and wondering if they notice how it looks or how it feels. Um, Yeah, that's, it's really important to me to, collaboration and sharing is really important to me. And I think that making a thing for a person and having them hold it and look at it and put it in their mouth and notice what it is that I've done is like, that's it. Like that's the moment that I'm looking for every day, all day. So it's interesting that this is something that's important to you, and yet we've we have a funny in this con- culture and country we have an interesting relationship with food. If we both want that, we want that intimacy. We want that mm-hmm. beautifully created, carefully concocted um, piece. And then sometimes we just think, oh, I just need fuel, and we completely yeah. overlook the fact that somebody made something and put it in front of us. And yeah. So that's kind of an interesting place for you to be, that you're putting something out there into the world and mm-hmm. you have no idea whether somebody's going to actually appreciate it or not. Yeah, and in some ways that is like a meditation. It's almost like it becomes a meditation and you kind of, or I at least, <clears throat> think to myself, it doesn't even matter if someone notices in some ways because I am making it and I am putting it out there and I'm doing it for someone else and in a way that's like a kind of energy that moves forward regardless of what the end result is that's very buddhist of you i i think that it is not attachment (laughs) thing yeah and you have to practice non-attachment in some ways i think as a person who creates food um especially in a restaurant where you are kind of closed i mean you know an open kitchen may not it may not seem this way but it can, it can be this funny thing where um the non-attachment is harder to pay attention to because I'm, you make a thing you watch a person take it away and so that I'm paying attention and I'm looking but in other kitchens you you make your thing you're looking at it you're making it perfect and then you send it away and it is this funny combination of it the desire to feed people and be nurturing and also make just make something beautiful and just send it send it off into the world and, and hope that it does its job. <laughs> but 
which is not unlike art in general. Yeah. It's not unlike writing a song or yeah. writing a story mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you create something and you hope somebody will appreciate it, but yep. you just don't know. You don't know. In terms of food, the, the thing is, though, is that we're lucky because we do kind of know. Mm. Someone is eating it, you know? It is doing its job. But I do think there's, I do think there's like a brand new uh, level of consciousness about what people are eating that kind of, it's sort of meeting this idea in the middle, this idea of nourishing people. And, and now people who, who are consuming things and eating things, you know, whether it's because healthy, healthier foods or um, local foods or, you know, farmed foods are definitely a food trend, you know, it is, a th- it is by no means, you know, it is definitely a trend. Um, people wanting to know where their food comes from or who grew it. Even if they're not sure why they want to know that, they just want to because it says so in this cool food magazine, you know? I don't care because I think it's pretty great that that's happening. But I do think that, I do think we're working towards this thing where like, you know, my desire to make something and nourish someone is meeting in the middle with someone else's desire to be nourished a little more than it has been in the last 10, 20, 30 years. I like this idea of putting energy out there and and the energy... Food is something that what you can look at Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine mm-hmm. or probably Western. The Ayurvedics love butter. I will tell you that right now. That that is they very, love it. And I don't know what the energy of butter is <laughs> specifically, but in in other cultures, food actually has a specific energy to it. Mm-hmm. And so you're describing a, a human energy that is put into the food. And I think there's also this idea of energy that is put into growing a food. But I'm not sure that all of us. It seems like kind of a um, it's almost an unprovable thing mm-hmm. that there's energy that goes into this, and yet we know it's so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It's funny. I do feel like we all have to come together, and in general, in the world, especially now. But in some ways, you kind of have to get a little bit of the way on your own and figure something out and it's and sometimes I think that involves just trusting a feeling you have and knowing even if you don't understand necessarily what like you're saying like for instance what a certain type of food like what kind of energy that has which can come from anything it can come from you know a a culture or a religion like saying oh like oil has this property this spiritual property it can also come from well oh this oil was produced in this type of way with this type of machinery and that produces this kind of energy and hires this many people like all those things are real that all those different energies are real and I do think that um, in some ways you have to kind of like figure that out for yourself or hold that within yourself in order to offer it out Um, yeah I don't it's something that I'm kind of growing and learning about right now as well I think everybody is kind of coming together in this new understanding of what eating is and cooking, which is exciting. Well, each of my daughters bought something that had a biscuit in it. Uh (laughs) And, you know, they get a lot of good food. They're very lucky that way. And um, one of them ate the biscuit, loved it, ate it right away. She just couldn't stop raving about it, (laughs) thought it was wonderful. 
The other one who, you know, she she's a little picky. She would, if something doesn't taste good, she'll throw it away or compost it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually ate half of it and saved the rest for the next day and then <laughs> went to the trouble of heating it up in the oven so she'd eat <laughs> the rest of it the next day. So whatever energy it is or yeah. ingredients or, you know, combination of things, even going to tandem itself and mm-hmm. having that experience really made for these little special delicacies that that both of my daughters appreciated. That is so nice to hear. I love when someone doesn't finish something, saves it, and heats it up, or even just eats it the next day. I think that's a true compliment. Um, I Something I know about myself is that I am very celebratory, whether or not there's something that needs to be celebrated. I think uh, that's kind of how I spend my days, is getting excited about things and wanting to celebrate. And... <clears throat> It comes out in my food. You know, if you stand at the pastry counter on a Saturday morning at 8 when everything is out, you won't really find too many things that don't have, like, a little bit of fireworks in them. You know, like, some, there's a few things, more than a few things, topped with flaky sea salt. There's more than a few things that have too much butter in them. There's more than a few things that are, you know, frosted with brown butter cream cheese. Like, I, I, it's it's something that's in me that I can't deny. And so, and so it's nice to, to hear when people get something there and, and eat it and feel kind of like celebratory in that, in that way. I get, I get excited and I think it comes through. Well, I encourage people to um, go to Tandem Actually, either either one, but if they want to go to the bakery, then they need to go to Congress Street. Yep, although we do send um, every day some some tasty things down to the little shop. Well, I will definitely be doing that myself, mm-hmm. and I'm sure anybody who's listening now probably wants to go have a biscuit with <laughs> maple butter on top of it on a Sunday morning, so that's probably going to happen, so you've just now started a big stampede towards I'm tandem. ready. I'm that, ready. I'm going to make more. That's good. That yep. sounds great. And I appreciate this. I appreciate the fact that you're bringing this great energy into the world and great food into the world, and thank you for feeding my daughters. That was you're welcome. very nice of you. <laughs> I've been speaking with Brianna Holt, who is the head baker at Tandem Coffee and Bakery in Portland. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is what I do, and I can't help it, and I just can't wait to do more of it. (laughs) You've been listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 279, Neighborhood Nourishment. Our guests have included Brianna and Andrew Volk and Brianna Holt. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love, Maine Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Maine Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running, travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Maine Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belayo. I hope that you have enjoyed our Neighborhood Nourishment Show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. And you have a bountiful life. Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of Berlin City Honda, The Rooms by Harding Lee Smith, Maine Magazine, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producer is Paul Koenig. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. 
Our Community Development Manager is Casey Lovejoy, and our Executive Producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Lisa Belisle. For more information on our host's production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.